Welcome to Park Fermi, the Canadian Formula One podcast. P3, P3. Okay, Hey, he's got another podium. Who would have thought? We talk race reviews, news from the paddock, and bring you everything from the world of Formula One. And something to limit the problem. Congratulations. Well, change your car. You've got a problem. Change your fucking car. And Tim, you change your car because Checo has been saying the car is fucked. And now your hosts, Drew, Walker, Ed, and Tomas. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Park Ferme, the Canadian Formula One podcast. Um, we are here after the Brazilian Grand Prix, and it's been a minute because we haven't recorded a proper podcast in, in weeks, it feels like. It's been a while. It has been Nice to see your faces. It is. It's nice to see you guys again. I missed you guys. Likewise, yeah. Which is weird because I feel like it's not like a... I never felt like this day would come where I miss seeing your faces, but I know. here we are. I know. Stranger things have happened, I guess. It's true. So we have a, a lot to recap. We were just chatting before we hit record whether we can actually remember back to the last race since we recorded, which would have been uh, the United States Grand Prix over at Coda at Austin. Uh, I think we were looking forward to that race because it's always been a fun track. Um, it's always been a bit of a scene. What do you guys remember from that race? Anything? Anything of note? Thomas, oh, I feel I, like you just said you don't remember shit. Actually, Thomas said it was boring. It so, was Thomas, boring. maybe you can recall why it was so boring. Uh, yeah, from what I remember, it was boring uh, to me. It didn't seem interesting. No real interesting events that I recall right now. So, nothing that really. Well, Max out won. To me. So, we'll get that out of the way. Ooh, Max, Max won. won. He won the other two races okay, as cool. well. For sure. So let's start there yeah. and then work our way down. Then Lando Norris hit a podium on Norris. second. That's beautiful. And then we mm-hmm. had C signs, bro. Carlos signs pulling up fucking third place. That's brilliant. I don't know. That's not nothing. Is it a recap? It, <laughs> is it a recap? I don't know if it's a recap. We're just trying to remember what this the hell happened. And I think that like, you know, there was a, an opportunity for something a little different to happen and it didn't, you know, it was par for the course. <laughs> Max one. It is what it is. You know, I don't know why myself i can only speak for myself but like i don't know why every race i i hope that there's something different that's going to happen and then it doesn't and no matter what happens on saturday the reality is is sunday's the fucking same mm-hmm. it is what it is it's in-depth analysis so I, since I like we can't better, actually yeah. rem- <laughs> since we can't actually fully recall what happened in the race it's been a few weeks um you know we all have other full-time things going on and you know we're just, you know, life happens, right? And sometimes we miss some weeks and we have to do those in a row. Um, so aside from the race, I did want to talk about the whole spectacle that is the Austin US GP. That is the Miami GP. You know, you have all these cars coming, obviously. They're trying to build a name. They're trying to build an audience in the United States. And I feel like you just have all these teams just fucking blowing their load all over the United States of America, trying their best, you know, with liveries and fucking stars and just like going over the top with everything. And I don't know about you guys. I find it a little 
annoying. Yep. Like all these Texas liveries, like Williams. I think we talked about this in the chat or something like that. Williams had one of the most beautiful liveries going. They had like that like retro, like martini-esque colored livery. And then they just throw like some stars and stripes on it. And it was brutal. It. Brutal. You, and I guess, I guess my question is, do you think like this pandering to the United States audience is A, is it working? B, is it turning off existing audiences? And see, like, have we seen enough of it at this point? My immediate reaction to it is like, I don't. Okay, so let's take another race. Let's say Bonza. You know, there's a, a few <clears throat> times that um, Ferrari will do like a specific 50 year anniversary livery or something like that. But if you're trying to impress these new F1 Drive to Survive fans, they're not even going to know what the OG livery looks like. You know, like, who are you trying to impress? Like, the, I think the only thing you're doing is upsetting, you know, the real hardcore F1 fans. I get that, like, you know, there's a whole new market in the U.S. and they're trying to kind of cater to that. And, and um, you know, um, Liberty Entertainment is doing its absolute best to appease the the U.S. fan base, which I think they're they're doing. Because Americans love America, bro. Like they, they love that shit more than anything else. So like you put some star spangled anything on that and they're about that. You know, that's like their ranch sauce. They put that shit on everything. You know what I mean? And like, mm -hmm. I think there's, there's a point where like, it just becomes gaudy and like overdone. Like I think, you know, Red Bull does it from time to time whenever they have like, um, like a cool new livery, they'll make it like part of a competition and they'll get people to vote on like the red. I see the marketing aspect to it, but you know, Walker, you touched on a great point, dude. Like I, I truly think that Williams had one of the best retro liveries with that golf thing. Like when they brought that back, like it was so class, dude, absolute class. And like <laughs> literally just added the U S flag on it. And like, it was, it just, it was repulsive. It was, and I, I know we're just talking about a livery. Like, really, what are we talking about? Like, we're talking about quote unquote the paint job or the wrap job on a car. But like, it's more of the principle that like, what are we trying yeah. to accomplish here? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I want to have a little bit more of an in depth conversation on this a little bit later. But like, the atrocity that's happening in in Las Vegas right now. Like, I've had don't some even get me fucking Vegas. started on Vegas. Oh, I'm a, we like, are about to get started on that. We're going to we talk are, about that later. But I yeah, just oh, think yeah, hundred percent. We're going to save that. We're going to save that after the little recap. But I just yeah, want to hear what Thomas has to say about um, <laughs> about these kind of unique liveries because I know he's going to pop off right now. No, uh, I'm not going to go as in, in depth as you, but um, are, is Liberty Media succeeding in, in, in U.S. by doing all these races and stuff? Yeah, I'd say they're bringing in a fair share of new new people and, and they're definitely splashing and, 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 you know, getting the sport out there. Do I like it? Not really. I think it takes away from uh, from the European aspect. And uh, again, I get it. Why money, you know, bringing in new fans, but it just seems seems a little bit over the top. Um, I did notice, you know, just what we were talking with deliveries. It's no why. I, I, I get it. America is great. We all we all get it. You know, they think they're the greatest, best in the world. But uh, in my opinion, eventually you know enough is enough they have to tone it down a little bit but again it's the u.s is that gonna happen probably not um do i think they're doing a good job in bringing in new fans debatable yes and no but uh again i agree with with what you uh drew and walker said they're 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 going they're they're splashing out and it's it's it feels so different watching 
you know, Miami GP from, I don't know, Mons or something like that. Just two different vibes. And, and to me personally, like the European, uh, European tracks, European vibes are just way more, I don't know, I guess classic, way more unique, way more, way more. Okay, traditional like, yeah way more traditional exactly and, mm-hmm. and i like that way way better i think the american ones are, are over the top uh as for deliveries me personally i don't care too too much about it but it's it's a bit ridiculous going to us bringing a, a new livery every time it's come on man like do you need do we need that no we really don't i think it's the teams are probably having a little bit yeah. of fun too and 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 showing the audiences you know what they're capable of or, or what they want to show off um those are my those are my thoughts. Well, it's it's less about the livery. I mean, the livery is 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 a symptom of you know what else is going on, right? It's just like it's just a byproduct of like this this drive to appease certain markets and grow in certain areas. And you know, I have to take a step back and ask myself, like, are we just like the purists? Are we in the minority here that? don't love it that you know they're oh they're changing my sport you know like we're kind of like curmudgeoning like old like fans that just don't want to see me change because maybe that's just us right maybe that's just like the hardcore contingent but you know you don't want to alienate that contingent either and i think you know moving into the following races we had mexico then we had brazil brazil was a sprint race right and i we've had this debate all year long right the 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 validity to a sprint race and really what does it add, right? And I think Liberty Media and Formula One right now are really walking a fine line between entertainment and sport, right? And I think they're really like veering towards that entertainment side of things, right? Um, and when we're looking at, you know, one of the things that was kind of brought up during the Brazilian Grand Prix, and I guess it was Coda as well, they had a sprint race, did they not? I believe they did, Right. And you really, you know, it's there, it's an extra race, it's extra track time, you know, more seats, more TV time, all that stuff. I get that, you know, but at the same time, you know, teams are also compromised in their race setups, right? They have one practice session, they have very little time to get their setups correct, right? And I understand everyone's operating under the same, under the same conditions, right? But are you then sacrificing the sport for the you know, let's call it quote unquote, like entertainment value of it. And is that the right move for the series? Um, I don't know. It's a tough question. Um, I like when we all address this, I liked where, where this was going with the sprint and, and I get it, you know, entertainment value and everything. But at the same time, you know, and we talked about this, it's, it's fun, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it doesn't happen every race i wish certain tracks had it for sure but others i could care less for um is it taking away from from the actual race uh i don't think so i think there's still entertainment in in watching the sprint and and enjoying the the whole race um yeah i think i answered your question as best as i can drew (laughs) (laughs) um you know what it's growing on me I was very against this, but like I was, I was under the, the notion before of like, why mess with a good thing, but I can understand. And and something you touched on Walker is that like, it doesn't happen every race, which I'm cool with because like the purest in me that like wants Friday practice, Saturday quality, Sunday race. Like I, I do enjoy that, but having 
something else to watch on Saturday that's like a sprint race is quite entertaining. And like Friday qualities kind of sucks sometimes because of where we live in the world in terms of like trying to be able to catch qualities for Sunday. But, I, you know, to wake up on a Saturday and have your sprint shootout, which are your sprint qualities, and then your sprint race that day. Because like some days I got stuff going on on Sunday and Sunday does no longer work for me in terms of watching a race. So I get my, myself like a quick little race in. It's entertaining. And I think the carryover from from the sprint race is that like the management of tires becomes a big thing on Sundays because they have a lot of times and tire. I just think that it just adds a little bit of spice to the weekend. And like, you know, you got people who crash out on the sprint races and now they have, to, you know, it just adds a whole new element of like their team having to fix everything on um, for a Sunday race. And I just do I think it's a perfect system? No. Do I like do I hate it? I used to. I don't anymore. I don't anymore. And I think it's, it's definitely grown on me and, and I'm cool. Like the sprint race, you know, in Brazil this past weekend, and I enjoyed it, dude. I had a good time. Like the whole race weekend was pretty good. Um, you had a variety of things happening, you know, chuckles, the buckles, putting it into a, to the wall, like on a formation, like just the, the entire weekend was just wildly entertaining to me. And, you know, the race wasn't the best in terms of like quality of race, but like the whole weekend I was entertained. Like I was not upset with like what happened in Brazil. It did not burn my weekend. So I guess kind of summarize that, like the, the sprint races have grown on me. I'm cool with them now. Okay. Here's another question about the sprint races. Are, are the sprint races in their current format ruining the main race? Because essentially what you're seeing is a preview for what the main race is going to be. So I think over the last few sprint races, they've delivered not a lot of different results than what you see in the main race. So take Brazil, for example, right? It gave a pretty good indication of who was going to be successful and who wasn't going to be successful outside of like a crash, outside of like maybe like a, you know, fucking up a pit stop. Um, you know, you knew those Mercedes were going to get just fucking crushed on the straights, right? You knew Lando was going to get you know, be competitive in second. The Astons were competitive like all weekend and like the qualifyings and stuff like that. Um, so in its current format, like does it, does it remove that element of anticipation or surprise from the main race, given that you're basically just watching, you know, a quarter of a race, like the first stint you know, of a not, race? To not answer a question with a question though, like, you know, Mercedes, like you mentioned, as perfect example, Mercedes knew on Saturday that Sunday was going to be tough. They had a full opportunity to kind of rectify that problem. They're like, listen, this is what we did poorly that was happening. Let's fix it for Sunday. They didn't, you know, this weekend, but like hypothetically, they had an opportunity to. So like you literally get a free trial the day before. And I think, you know, the the way that people race on Saturday is a little different than how they race on Sunday because they're not willing to take those bigger risks. And so like the race isn't as aggressive. And like, you know, like you mentioned too, with Mercedes, if that sprint race was any longer, they would have just kept dropping and dropping and dropping because like they were not looking so hot. You know, they had some nice one lap pace, but like that was it. You know what I mean? So like, do I think that it takes away from Sunday? I don't think so. I just think it, it gives them another, uh, it's an odd looking free practice. So it's a really okay. long, odd looking free practice. So, so to answer a question with a question, so what could they have done differently? Right. Your part, your, your car is set. You can't make any changes. Like I think personally, like if we're going to make any changes to the sprint race, I think you should be able to make setup changes to your car 
post sprint race, right? Right now. Oh yeah, that's right. Because they go back to Park Ferme after you're right. FP1, they're in Park Ferme, right? So like, you know, sorry, after I guess they're qualifying on, on Saturday, um, Friday. Well, Friday for the sprint race. Friday, they're in Park Ferme, right? So you've got two full days. So like, I would be more in favor if after a sprint race, you have, you know, four hours, eight hours, whatever it is to make setup changes to your car to make it a little bit more competitive after gathering data, right? And treating it kind of as like a hybrid, you know, race slash practice. I think there would be merit in that. But I think when you set the, the car so early after one practice session and qualifying, and then you basically see, you know, a race. So, you know, Mercedes didn't really have an opportunity to make any changes, nor did any of the other cars, right? Like their setup yeah. is locked in. So, you know, you can, I guess, change the, change the wing a little bit you know, like dial in or out the wing a bit. But for the most part, like those settings are locked in. Yeah, you're right. I, I completely forgot that that uh, the cars after the um, qualies, or sorry, after the sprint race, they're parked. Yeah, they're parked for a minute. They can't do anything. You know what? That's my opportunity to just turn that around from a question to a suggestion. That I, th- I think that they should be able to use that as a big learning curve. Because how much more entertaining would the race be if all of these teams had a, a half race or a third race about mm-hmm. what tomorrow was going to look like. Then they'd all have like, man, those cars would be dialed in, right? They'd have yeah, a much better idea that, about what it looks like or what the tire deg was going to look like, what everything was going to look like. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you give the opportunity to make changes and then maybe some people nail it and some people like make changes for, for the worse, right? Or whatever it is. But I just think there needs to be some kind of refinement to the rules and the way that like those ex- those weekends are played out. Because as of right now, it just seems like it's, it's airing so much on the side of like entertainment that the, that you lose the sport part out of it for me. Yeah. What do you got, Thomas? I, I, heard you, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said, Drew. Uh, does it take away, do sprints take away from the race weekend? I don't think so. Um, it's still both entertaining to, to watch. Um, there, there's not much to add. I, I do agree with what you guys said as well. If they could change it after the sprint, their setups, Wow, that would be a whole different outcome. Um, that's that's basically it. So, okay, so Brazil. What did we learn from Brazil then? Anything? Any any takeaway that was the most recent race? Obviously, yes. Um, yes. What did you learn, Thomas? Uh, Brazil was was an amazing <laughs> race, and uh, wow. <laughs> that's a good segue because I saw what you did there. You, I saw what you did there. Uh, no, it, it was awesome. Uh, one, one thing that really stood out to me personally, uh, Aston Martin's downgrades actually made them better. They're actually competitive again. They removed all their upgrades. The the last lap fighting with uh, Mr. Uh, Sergio Perez. Holy shit. That was intense by by what? Like half a second. He only won. That was that was wow. Haven't don't remember when the last time I saw that. Um, qualifying was pretty fun too, or, or the sprinter qualifying when, when the weather got really, really dark, they, they didn't go out anymore. So that was, that was interesting to see as well. Um, overall, I loved it. I, I, I really, really wish there was more races like that. Um, was very competitive. I, I don't know if, if Drew or Walker, you said it wasn't very eventful to me. It was very eventful and I absolutely had a blast watching it. I think that the, uh, the quality session on Friday um, because that rain came in the last four minutes got pooched, you know, our homeboy Lance Stroll was, uh, able to stick up a little bit higher on the grid. Um, 
which was just dumb luck. You know, that's just nature doing its thing. But I will give him full credit. He stayed up there because he had every opportunity to shit the bed and he didn't. And so I'll give him all credit on that. And I thought he had a great race. Um, but can we, well, what did I learn about Brazil? Let's machine gun. Kelly's an absolute idiot. I love Martin Brundle's grid walk. Yo, I love the grid walk is wildly entertaining for me. I don't know if you guys find it the same entertainment value that I do because he's like a, a lot of these, you know, North American, um, entertainer people are, um, are new to the F1 thing, but they're all jumping on the F1 hype train. And so like, you got guys like, you know, machine gun Kelly, <laughs> dude, Martin Brundle has no idea who the hell this guy is, but you got a six foot five blonde guy wearing like a yellow fucking tank top. And so he's like, this guy's got to be important. Dude, that interview was just cringe, bro. It was what absolutely was I didn't brutal. See it. Oh, it. dude, you got to watch. Do yourself a favor and Instagram this like interview that he has with Machine It's absolutely brutal. Um, but that's not the first cringe interview that Martin Brundle's done. And I love him because he's got that little English sass in him that like <laughs> if they give him any sort of grief, he's like, well, I won't have you on my Christmas card list this year. And like, he just has like a little quip that he puts in. I think he's an absolute fucking genius. And like anyone who watches formula one in any capacity gives Martin Brundle absolute like royalty status. You know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. if you were a true fan of the sport, you give Martin Brundle the time of day. You know what I mean? Like if, if um, Christian Horner and total Wolf are doing the, the, the grid walk, they give him the time. Like if, if guys of that stature are giving him the time machine gun, Kelly, you little queef, you absolutely should be giving him the time of day to just give him a legitimate interview. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just my two cents, but that was wildly entertaining as well. Thomas. What, what did we learn? <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, what do you want me to say? It was, it was a fun race. I didn't watch that interview. I, I wish I, I, I saw that interview. Now that's, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, Fair enough. Okay. We'll leave it should there. Should we segue right back to Mexico? Because I know Thomas is pumped about that first left-hander, the first right-hander, though. You know it. All right. Pick it up, buddy. Everyone Go for it. it. That's all you, dude. All Thomas, right. take it so, away. So, what we learned from Mexico... That was cringe to watch. I I I felt embarrassed for for Checo watching that. I get it, you know, uh, home race pressure and all that stuff. Yes, Walker, what what? Question: What was more cringe, Checo going out in the first corner, or Lewis going out in the first corner two races earlier? Anyone? Okay, if you're going three deep, three wide into the first corner. The guy on the outside never wins. Rule number one. Just like that's like, I don't know. Where did Checo think he was going to go? He thought he was going to go first. He was all first. up. He was all fucking. He wasn't going to go first. He had no chance of going first. I know, but he thought he was going to go first. Obviously, that didn't work ah, out. got you. Okay. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Okay, let me going. ask you guys this. And are, you, are you done with it or do you guys want to keep hammering on Checo right Let's now? Let's go. Because I want to talk about how nice Checo looked in Brazil. Like, he looked healthy. He looked good. Like, are we going to talk about, like, I know we've been shitting on Checo all year, but I think, like, he has earned five minutes of his praise in the last three weeks. Because we sure. really, since what? Since one of those early desert countries, he hasn't done well. <laughs> one of the early <laughs> desert countries. <laughs> Which one are they all the same to you? I don't know. 
there. There was sand. I don't know if there was a castle. Who the fuck knows? The camel somewhere. Was in the or was it Miami? Was it Miami? I don't <laughs> even know. When was the last time Checo won? The fact that we have to think about this is a problem. Yeah. Still, right. If you're in the best car on the grid, I think he need, we need to have this conversation more often, and we haven't. But like Checo looked nice. He was back to the Checo of old. He looked really good, confident in the car. He was like patient when he needed to be going into the turn. Like watching him and Fernando Alonso was probably some of the most entertaining racing I've seen this year in terms of like back to back. And like they weren't passing each other. Checo was like super patient. He knew that he had a better car and like waited it out. He did a couple of the last moves. And then Checo, I think, went deep into T12. And like, you know, that's where Fernando had an opportunity to kind of go over and you know, Fernando flexed his old man muscle a little bit and just kind of showed, you know, Checo about like why he's been a great driver for so goddamn long. Um, but it was just good, impressive driving. And like, you know, the the boys from McLaren did okay. Well, I know Piastri had a, a couple of uh, bang up issues at the front of the race like everybody else. And I'm glad nobody got hurt in Brazil because like that, that looked pretty nasty. Um. And then we had the the wheel rolling down the track, which I thought was pretty fun. And I saw a meme that said this single wheel had gotten further in the race than Charles Leclerc. <laughs> I feel bad for Charles Leclerc. That was uh, not no his fault, fault of his own. Yeah, I I, I nah. legit felt so crushed when that happened on a formation lap out of all laps too. That was like, man, this guy legit cannot catch a break, man. Although you know if it was going to happen to Question. anybody. It was going to happen to him. There's no one else on the grid oh, yeah. that would happen to. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, okay. So let me ask you this. And I, I heard early from the race that it was a hydraulic problem that the hydraulics quit on him. Did you guys find out what actually happened? Cause I heard that might not have been the issue. Ferrari said that that was a different issue than what happened to signs a couple races ago when he had the hydraulic issue. They said it was something different. Did you guys figure out what that actually was? I feel wildly ill-prepared to answer this question if I don't know what the, from the what, response is here. From what I know and from what I heard, I still think it was a hydraulic issue. But again, I am not 100%. Uh, but it's interesting that we're talking about this because Carlos Sainz had an issue with his car as well. And both Alphas retired too with with our powertrain units that use from Ferrari as well. I'm not sure if that was a hydraulic issue or not, but again, like Ferrari units are, we're all having trouble at that, at that race, which I found pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So I'm reading um, right here that the Monegasque driver, Charles Leclerc had formation lap crash caused from electronic issues. So they're not blaming it on hydraulics this time. They're blaming it on electronics. Well, whatever. Um, I mean, so be it. Doesn't it really is what matter. it is. Unlucky is the word. Unlucky yeah. is the word. Yeah. Um. So that was that was Brazil. Now we've got a couple of weeks off, and we're headed into the fucking shit show that's going to be Las Vegas. What a fucking disaster! You know, everything. Travesty, bro. They're, this is a mess. Everything from the the track to the setup to the prices to the fact that it's being broadcast at like 11 p.m. Eastern time. It's probably going to be one of the first fucking like morning races. Well, I guess you would see Australia in the morning in Europe. But still, it's just going to be the whole thing is a mess. That's my opinion. That's what that's my kind of like quick take on it. 
Drew, you, you've got some strong. So I had a, one of my on friends this. at the office. He was just down in uh, Las Vegas for uh, a real estate conference. And he was down there and he was telling me all about like what it looked like now. And like the strip is the strip. And it obviously looks wildly different right now. No one could walk on it because they're repaving it, at least when he was down there. Um, all of the overpasses over top of the strip are all boarded up. So which was normally like one of the highlights of being in Vegas is like, you know, going over one of the overpasses, seeing the whole strip, the lights, the sounds, whatever. You're entirely encased because they don't want anyone standing and watching the race for free. How dare people do something like that? So um, Liberty Media has kind of put boards up and they've put um, coverings so that people from both sides of the street and the boardwalk can no longer see the strip. Um, that being said, the fountains at Bellagio, um, we got all of the water that was in the Venetian was all been drained. And these are all now been replaced with, um, what at the time he said was growing grandstands. So every couple hours you'd see them go up another level and they're, they're making the grandstands for all the fans and stuff. And, um, it's really doing a number on Vegas, you know, and, um, my wife actually had a friend that was down there like very recently, like came back this week. And, um, Vegas has pretty much been put on pause. So like, it's an all hands on deck thing. And everybody in Las Vegas, either working there or going there to work for F1 is like, um, what's the word scrambling. They're scrambling to get this together because they have two weeks until it's lights out. Thomas, what's your thoughts? I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's going to be definitely a shit show. <laughs> Let's change gears. I love it. Okay. Okay. You, you, you're not wrong. I'm looking forward to it too, but continue. I am looking forward to it. It's going to be very, very interesting. I mean, first of all, this is happening on a, on a Saturday, which I don't think any other GP has happened on a Saturday. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, uh, so that's, that's for one second, Vegas at night, city track, uh, you know, temperatures are going to drop to, um, it's going to be a fun race. Uh, what what they were doing or what they are doing in regards to what you mentioned, Drew, with the grandstands and putting up barriers and stuff, I I don't like that. That does not sit well with me. Um, it seems very greedy. Uh, you know, you're making millions and millions of dollars and now you're putting up these, these barriers and, and you're not letting people watch from a hotel or from a distance or whatever. I just, I, I find that disgusting. Um yeah, it's it's, it's going to be an interesting race. That's that's all. That's all I have to say for now. Okay, let me tell you about some breaking fucking news. Twenty nine minutes ago, Las Vegas Grand Prix threatened by biggest strike in U.S. history. The much anticipated return of the Las Vegas Grand Prix to the F one calendar is at risk to a potential strike from hospitality workers seeking better contract terms. So um, another website has also posted Las Vegas F1 canceled. Las Vegas Grand Prix set major disruption with the crippling strike threatened an hour ago. So this is all kind of breaking news in terms of, um, of Formula One in Las Vegas. I'd heard this uh, yesterday a little bit, whether things were going to go through or not because of how scrambling everything is. Like, dude, it takes a lot of work to put on a Grand Prix. And like, you know, a lot of these tracks are purpose built and this is not, right? So like they got to do this and like, they're doing it for the first time and they promised a lot like these grandstands, the paddocks, all that stuff is like, it's a lot of work. And I don't know if it's going to get done. And, and from what I'm reading here very briefly is that all the employees and the people doing this, they're just saying, nah, it's not happening. And there's, there's people 
um, that are apparently there's a dramatic drop from Planet F1, dramatic drop in Las Vegas hotel rate triggers F1 fans chasing refunds. So this could be an absolute mess. Now that would not look good on Liberty Entertainment. No. I, I think that like, I, I, would I look forward to the Las Vegas Grand Prix? A hundred percent. Who doesn't love Las Vegas? Who doesn't love F1? Put them together. Why couldn't this be amazing? This could be amazing. I just like, maybe they promise too much with a, like not enough time to deliver. Um, you know, in terms of timing, I think it's from my understanding, it's 10 PM local time, which is 1 AM our time in the Eastern standard time. And that's well into Sunday for most of the people um, watching F1 in Europe and Australia is like, they're almost into fucking Monday at this point. Do you know what I mean, <laughs> they're well in the future there, but like, you know, it's, it would be cool. Like it's something that they've obviously put a lot of time and work into obviously doing a, a Saturday race for them is, is Sunday for most of the world. So like they, they've crossed all their bridges and dotted all their T's, but I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. See, I completely disagree. I, I think they got fucking greedy. I think they got greedy. I think they, you were talking about the balance between like entertainment and sport. I think this is just pure entertainment. There is no sport left here. All right. This is pure entertainment. This is fucking greed. This is like charging exorbitant amounts of money for like packages or tickets, because I think the only way to I, correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point, I believe the only way to um, watch the race was to buy like packages through some like the different hotels or resorts that were kind of surrounding the track. Um, I think you. So they, they were selling three day packages as of mm -hmm. yesterday. Um, there's a lot of tickets that have gone back on. So I saw yesterday three day packages for Friday, Saturday, Sunday are going to be 1660 USD was the average ticket price for grandstands, which is a thousand dollars more than the average anywhere else in the world. Yeah, for sure. At least. And I think, so I just, I think it could have been an amazing race. I think they could have put on a really amazing event. I think they, I think to shut down the entire strip to build like a racetrack around the strip is, is very ambitious, but I think the, the motivation around it was, I think it's the wrong motivation. And I think it's just like, fucking, how do we get American viewers? How do we make a spectacle? How do we just create like a circus out of this event at any cost? And I think that's why they're having, and I think, unfortunately, I, I might be wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong, but maybe it'll be the most amazing event ever. But I think the legacy of this first Las Vegas event, in my opinion, will be that it's just, it's about entertainment and Liberty Media just got fucking greedy, right? And I don't know. And, and you know what? I agree with you, Walker. It's it, what you're talking about, greed. When when Miami got introduced as well, it was a, such a shit show. Like it from from pricing, and it just felt so greedy. And I think this is going to be worse. Um, it, it, I mean, it's Vegas, so it's definitely going to be worse. And yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's it's greed. It's let's get you know even more celebrities. Let's try to get more viewers and it's almost like uh pardon my language with a, a, a fuck you to to the uh loyal fan yeah. base since when do you care about your language thomas what are you talking about pardon my language who I are you a fuck about my language there you go <laughs> actually i don't think i was gonna ever say that seemed really weird before the only language you should apologize for is fucking lithuanian bro. <laughs> so you know we'll see and the other thing that really pisses me off that is fucking up my Monday, my uh, Sunday morning schedule. You know, same. You know what? Same with like the American races, like the on the continent. I fucking hate having my races midday, late afternoon. I like my morning races, 
I like my European time zone races. It just works better for my schedule. So fucking turn it back. I'm with you. I'd love to get up at 7 30, yeah. 8 o'clock. Race is on by nine. It's done by eleven. I get to watch the post race interviews and then boom, I make some lunch. I'm on my yeah. day. I have my whole day ahead of me. Doing now I gotta amazing. be up at fucking one AM to watch this shit. Fuck that. Yeah, sucks to be you guys. Yeah. I'm uh I'm at eight AM for us local time here. So you'll be good. You're gonna be living the dream, Thomas. Yeah. Hey, you're yeah. grooving, dude. All right, so that's coming up a couple of weeks. We got a bye week next week, and then we we'll, we will see what happens in Vegas. Um, that's why we wanted to put this um, episode together for you guys because, like, if we didn't do this one, what were we doing? Were we canceling the podcast? I thought it was like six weeks. I don't even know you guys. Walker could have four kids by now. What was going on? I don't even know what's happening anymore, bro. We are we're back though. We're down one man. We are back. back. We are back. And thank you for anyone who's listened to this. The one thing, the one thing we cannot do an episode without is our favorite game. I feel like it's still sweeping the nation, even after a little hiatus. Name that sponsor. I'm going to name a sponsor. You guys are going to tell me what they do and also which team they sponsor. Might be a little bit rusty. Because it's been a few weeks, you're out of practice. I feel like the last one we did, I feel like we were two for two. I feel like we're getting on a roll, but now we'll fucking see. I think it's been so long that that we might have new sponsors <laughs> on the car. We could do a whole new All show. Right. So we're going to start off easy, rolling off the inspiration of Vegas. Sponsor is Steak. S-T-A-K-E. Alfa Romeo. <laughs> Alfa Romeo. And um, I don't have no idea what they do. Uh, I, I guess it's something. Uh, I'm going to jump in. Or casino or something. Ah. Which, what is it? You do logistics? No, I said Alfa no, Romeo. Yeah, he's right. He's right. It's Alfa Romeo and it's a gambling All right, website. All right. We'll give you that one. Um, Finally, first point. There you go. Was that your first one ever? first point first full point ever yes look at you well done man (laughs) (laughs) fucking nailed it um okay (laughs) next sponsor is dell d-e-l-l ding 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 that's a compute that's a computer manufacturer and it's on mclaren fucking out of the gates two for two who said you were going to be rusty yeah, I did. But prove me wrong. <laughs> this one was too easy. Boys, any last words? No, nah, this was really nice. It's good to be back with the boys. I'm pumped to uh, to get some more stuff going. I will um, definitely start being a little bit more active on the socials and get uh, some content going back on the Instagram feed. Um, so keep an eye out for that for anyone who's listening, because um, I'm going to get some more uh, more content. It's all good, going. man. You're doing a great job. I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say, I miss you guys. I miss doing this. Uh, like uh, Walker said, we all have shit to do. We all have lives, and sometimes life gets in the way. But uh, let's try to uh, keep going. This is a habit, you know. Once a week, or if there's a break, you know, once every two weeks or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm happy we did this. I'm happy I could join, and, and let's keep it going. Um, it. For me, you know, I could take it or leave it. So that was uh, <laughs> that was uh, Park Ferme, the Formula <laughs> B Canadian Formula One podcast. 
Um, join us next week. Or don't. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> or not. Or not. Or not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe for uh, new episodes whenever they happen to come out. Um, we generally are pretty regular with the stuff. So uh, stay tuned. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a review. All that good stuff. Check out, Check the, out Discord. the Discord. Link is in the show notes. The Instagram. Everything's getting fired up again. I'm going to be honest. I think the Discord's the most consistent thing we do. You know what I mean? Like that's that's always going on. Like people are always talking in the Discord. So if you do nothing else, if you don't want to like or subscribe, just join the Discord and like you know get in there, man. People uh, people have some great conversations. Fucking get in there. A lot of good shit talking. Also, if you haven't if you haven't uh, subscribed to our YouTube, follow us on Instagram. That's also much appreciated. There you go. Yeah, that's true. We got to do the plugs. I think we should do the plugs at the beginning because the chances of people like listening to this at the end are pretty slim. I think they've already pressed next episode by this point. So let's uh, let's do this sub at the beginning. I think that's the next There we go. Always learning, always evolving. All right, boys. Thanks, buddy. That's it. Peace Peace. out. Good to see you guys, yeah?